Hey guys, what's up? Sorry for that. I think you might hear some kind of phone, uh, not phone, some kind of plane situation up, up there, high in the sky. I apologize for that. Here's my interview with Without Ward director, writer Cory Cataldo, and actor James Duvall. You might know James Duvall for his work from those Greg Rocky films from back in the day. I loved him in The Doom Generation. I still have to see Nowhere. Still haven't seen him in that movie, but he started in Independence Day. But mainly, a lot of James Duvall's work is really deals with the indie film arena. So you, if you're really into indie filmmaking, you've seen James Duvall. I mean, obviously, he's Donnie Darko and Donnie Darko. You obviously know, know a lot of James Duvall's work. So it was great to interview him again. I interviewed him years ago in 95 with the Doom Generation a movie. Again, like I said, I really love. Without Ward is an interesting film because I allude, I allude this to the interview I do with Cataldo and Duvall that... It's not one of these movies where you go, you, you put it on, it's out, it's out on digital right now, you put it on, you watch it, and you like, you watch it like a normal movie. It's billed as a sci-fi romantic film, and it centers on this guy, his name's Michael Gladys, he's part of a family, and they're, it's weird because they're all different ages, it's explained pretty much within the first several minutes, I don't want to really get into plot, synopsis, hell with you guys, but it's a very layered, complex story, and this Michael Gladys character, you might know him for his work from his work in Mad Men. Michael Gladys plays this guy who just really wants to go out in the world and experience life and even be naked, be naked out in the world. I mean, it sounds crass and and uh, perverse, but this they use this. The director Cataldo uses the nakedness as as more of a theme about actually showing your vulnerability to society, and I appreciate that. The movie itself is just all over the place in a good way. And you get to see really good actors like Michael Gladys, Harold Perrineau, Alexis, I believe, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Dezena. You've, you've seen her before in, in other movies. The aforementioned James Duval. I'm trying to think out right out of the top of my head. I mentioned Perrineau already. Marguerite Moreau is in this one. So, and also the, the late great Martin Landau who passed away in 2017. The interview that you could listen to has some really interesting recollections from Cataldo regarding his own sort of um, being a protege of Martin Landau, or actually Martin Landau was sort of a, a big mentor to him. So he has some really, really inspiring and memorable recollections regarding Martin Landau. And he also talks about why it took him over a decade or or maybe a decade to actually release Without Ward. Without Ward was written by him 12 years ago. It was shot 10 years ago. And now it's only as we speak of this day, it's only being released today on iTunes and whatever digital platforms you use. And also in the thing, what's interesting is in the interview, and this is, this is, this is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Cataldo mentions that he wanted to make a movie where some people will really like it. And they're going to say, the, the people who really like it will say, I don't know if I'm going to actually recommend it to other people, but it's, I like this movie. It's one of these, kind of outside and James Duval uses this phrase outside of the box type of storytelling that I really appreciated with without ward here's the thing as far as barrier to entry for you cinematics listeners a it's an indie film remember that even though it was shot 10 years ago it's still it's themes of connection and the destructiveness of living within your own universe within your own headspace and your own virtual reality can be very self-destructive all of these themes are evergreen whether it's 2012 or 2022 i i you know you know how much i actually really enjoy this movie 
in my own eccentric taste kind of way, I actually purchased the movie for four ninety nine on on i on iTunes on Apple iTunes. So yes, I am a fan of Without Ward. Will you be a fan of Without Ward? I do not know. I do not know you personally. You 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 or you. But if you're into like Duval says, outside of the box filmmaking storytelling, Without Ward might be worth a gamble or a look see. All right, so. I will say this, the interview, it's a 30 plus minute interview with Duval and Cataldo, really cool guys, really some really good stories about life and, and all the stuff. Take a listen and hope you guys, you know, support me and Anderson on, well, first of all, support me because I'm very greedy. Support me on my deepest dream YouTube channel for my, all my interviews. You're going to see my interview with Cataldo and Duval, the video interview on the deepest dream YouTube channel. Number one, number two, Anderson Cowan, I'm not saying Anderson Cowan's number two, but stupid joke, sorry. Anderson Cowan's Cold Cockle Productions CCP channel. Subscribe to that as well because each week he has weekly movie reviews. He actually lowered the quality of his YouTube channel recently by having me on to review The Lost City and The Outfit. I apologize to you guys, cinematics and the film vault and after disaster listeners that my ugly mug has shown up on Anderson's wonderful CCP channel. And last but not least is the collaboration with uh, cinematics and find your film and all that stuff. It's called the Cinematics FYF YouTube YouTube channel, which has me and Anderson doing some content once or twice a month. And then I also do content with my buddies over at find your film, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. I'm sure maybe there's a 10% of you or 2% of you out there who are YouTube fiends, YouTube fiends. If you can support these channels, that'd be great. If you're good to give without ward, a look, see a, a gander, take a gander to without war. Tell me what you think. Or if I'm crazy to actually like this movie, email me and, and just say, Greg, sorry for that. I think that's an Amazon noise, but yeah, say, Greg, you're an idiot. I, without war, sucked. Or I'm hoping the few of you will say, Hey Greg, you know, you're a weird person, but yeah, without weird, without ward is also should be called without weird. It's a weird movie, but I ended up digging it too. So I hope some of you will actually like the movie as well. Very, there's some animation stuff. There's some really good music. There's um, yeah, it's all over the place. But I, I liked it. Just like I'm all over the place right now. Just like this interview is all over the place and really cool. All right. Oh, last but not least, if you do not listen to this interview, okay, and 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 are tired of me speaking, just know at the end of the interview, James Duval and Cataldo, Corey Cataldo, talk about their favorite movies. Cataldo's pick is the Sarah Polly film Take This Waltz and James Duval talks about Blade Runner. I will shut up now. I'm actually recording this intro a second time because and this is right now as we speak it's 2:16 on a Friday afternoon in Los Angeles. Yeah. I recorded my interview. I recorded an intro earlier this morning around six o'clock in my mother's closet. I'm, I'm, I actually am in my uh, late father's bedroom right now, and I went into the the closet to get better audio. But I sounded like this. I sounded like a zombie. Without Ward is really awesome. I basically sound exactly how I sound sometimes when I drone out with Anderson and the guys at Find Your Film. So I apologize for that. I'm trying to make my voice a little livelier rather than how it usually is on a daily basis, and I apologize. Okay happy movie week watching. Love you guys. Thank you so much for supporting me and Anderson on this here cinematics and our buddies, Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. I will shut up now. Let's get to the star of the program without Ward interview with filmmaker Corey Cataldo and actor James Duvall. Take care. Bye. Uh, You know, first off, I want to ask about without Ward. 
I'm sure you guys have been getting this question all the time, but the idea of a family stuck in isolation for the in the house, and if they leave the house, they're gonna get killed. They may they may die. You know, did you have any idea that this kind of fantastical narrative, people living in the haze, this kind of fantastical narrative would actually be sort of, in many ways, a really just pretty incisive social commentary of the way things are right now. So, I mean, I had good or bad luck, depending on how you look at it, um, with movies <laughs> then being a thing that that kind of happened. Um, my first film was about a bunch of kids that shoot up their high school, and I won't really get too into that. Um, and bullying became a giant thing after. And for the same reason, I had to have a heart surgery after that film, and some stuff happened, and it took me a while to put it out because of health. That happened with without work. And uh, I think, as you might be alluding to, we, we actually I wrote this probably 12 years ago. We shot it 10 years ago. I had health problems, uh, says the guy smoking. But at the time um, I wrote it, I, I came to it. They're in a house because I had been bedridden and sick um, and I was actually suicidal. Um, but I was really worried about where social media and at that point, MySpace was taking us. And so while I didn't know that people were going to get stuck in a house, I did feel like there was going to be a big problem with uh, with connection um, and disconnection um, in regards to, to everything, which was part of them being so isolated and needing that. Um, so it's not like I definitely didn't see that the COVID-19 pandemic um, w- was, was going to happen. Um, but I, I feared um, that we were going to get more and more disconnected. And I just kind of let my mind look at where that would go. Um, I actually made the movie in hopes to connect with people. Um, and I got to work with a great friend and one of my favorite actors ever, Jimmy down there, uh, in the process. Um, but, but, uh, I I hope that answers your question. We didn't know that the world was going to be on lockdown. No. Um, but I, I did think that that stuff was going to be a problem and I I feel like it's kind of a a worse one. And uh, I feel like we keep trying to fix it with technology, um, and, and maybe, you know, technology is a good thing, but uh, maybe we should try to fix distance with, with getting together in some real way. You know, James, I, I interviewed you eons ago for Iraqi's uh, Doom Generation and really loved speaking with you then. And, you know, oh. over the year, you know, but over the years, I'm just looking at your body of work. You know, you, you did Independence Day, but a lot of your work, your body of work is really just creative just journeys and gambles with indie film. And I'm just wondering with, with Corey, is that what you saw in him? Did you see a kindred spirit where you guys wanted to collaborate on something that wouldn't be a cookie cutter narrative or movie that we've come to expect? And it seems that your partnership with Corey was really good. And is that true? It, it um, Yes. Well, I mean, thank you for asking. It's good to see you again. It's, it's been a few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a few yeah. minutes since Doom Generation. Um, you know, well, when I met Corey, Corey was a big fan of Doom Generation and, and Iraqi films in general. And most certainly that, you know, of course, that helped prompt me to um, or motivate me to work with him, his sensibilities that they were outside of the box. And I think I've always looked for things outside of the box. I think the only thing that's been difficult for me over the years is when you work with someone with like Iraqi and you want to keep working with someone like that, there's only one Iraqi. So you know, it's, it's constant. So instead, it's a, it's more of a search of just working with interesting filmmakers who are working outside of the box and looking at doing something different. But it's coming from a very genuine, honest place within them. 
And that's what Corey and I had in common was, you know, those two things, I think most certainly more than anything was we think outside of the box and we love challenging the status quo. <laughs> Dude, I just, I still can't believe you work with me. It's like, I'm such a nerd and such a fan, but no, but like, I remember meeting Jimmy. He came to like, uh, I think it was Beverly Hills Film Fest and they, they showed a film of mine and, and he walks up to me and he's like, man, like, I really loved your movie. Like, I'm such a big loved fan. Loved Mad World, and like, yeah. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, I won't, I, can I cuss? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, you're fucking, and I, I didn't even mean to, but he's like saying all these nice things. And I'm like, you're fucking James Duvall. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. And I'm like, I'm a really big fan. He's like, thanks, thanks. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, and I just start, and I'm like, dude, Doughboy and all the Iraqi movies. And he's like, oh, you like Doughboy? I'm like, I love it. And I, I, I couldn't believe he liked, and I was just, I, I felt so weird, but I was like, can we go to dinner? And he was like, sure. And uh, I felt like he's one of those only people you meet in life as an adult that it's like being kid friends, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and to this day, it's hard for me to be your friend because I you're like a legend. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just that, I was so, so glad you did the movie. Dude, and this guy, and if I can say it, he in the film, um, his character, he's the father of this family, and it's part of. In order to ruin things, it's partly weird when you when you start watching the movie. You're like, "How's he the dad? He's like younger than them." Um, and they're, they're but am a- I? But 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 am I? I'm I'm but trying to get older. I just keep getting younger. But he's yeah. so optimistic, and, and I cut him off because I'm the talker. Um, but he <laughs> he was I'm so done. willing to just jump in because you're asking about being able to go outside the box. And does he want? And I, I never get to work with people. With, you do sometimes, but that want to explore to the level he does. I wanted him to act like he was in a sitcom, but I didn't want to tell any of the other characters, like any of the other actors. And that's kind of a contentious thing. And he was so down and he did it. And I'd be getting comments, you know, like, hey, you know, can, can you talk to Jimmy? Like, we're in this serious scene and, you know, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll talk to him. <laughs> and then I just don't. <laughs> And I'm like, Jimmy, are you sure you're good with this? And I remember, and, and he would kind of pull me to the side with like that, that infectious smile and be like, dude, we're doing the right thing. And for an actor, you're supposed to give them the confidence. Um, and, and for him, it, it's just so he takes that extra step to just be like, no, no, it's right. And I remember when we got to tell the actors and everybody just hugged him and was like, oh my God, you know what I mean? But um, I, I think... <laughs> But like, I, I hate that I'm answering his question, but he absolutely does things. I don't think because they're different, but I just think he always wants to be involved in anything that is or has a chance of just being something different, unique, and that can move people. You know, speaking about moving people and, and different, I, I was just actually on Messenger talking to someone and he was an old childhood friend of mine and he was saying that he recently rewatched this movie called Babette's Feast and he just said, great movies are movies where you can actually continue to talk about it and have different perspectives. And it feels like if you, if someone goes into Without Ward expecting a straight linear I'm going to get my rocks off and 20 minutes here, 40 minutes here, and then 60 minutes there, then they're going to be disappointed. But if yeah. someone goes in and saying, you know, I, I want to see some great actors chop it up and talk about life, the world we're living in, and show their vulnerable side, not just physically, but just really emotionally, they're going to get something out of this movie. Can both of you speak to that fact that it's thankfully not something that is you're going to watch, you're going to really enjoy, and then in 30 seconds later, you're going to forget everything about it? Well, I think, you know, if I may, for just a moment, you know, it's timely, timely and unexpected that this pandemic came, you know, with this lockdown, because the idea is, is if 
you know, as we've all now globally experienced, when you get locked down with people, you can't just show them the best sides. So everything's going to come out. You just can't, you can't hide that. And that's actually where we connect is when you put all that stuff out on the table. And so in, in a strange way, yeah, this, it's unexpected that we actually came into lockdown, but it was this pandemic in a big way that prompted us to kind of prompted, you know, me to call Corey and Corey to kind of put out the movie. We thought it was, yeah, that was my bad. I, I got sick, but then I was really, I can be weird. I'm like your typical artist. Like I've walked away from ridiculous money. No, but it's not, nothing to apologize. Every, everything in its right time, my friend. And it was time for the world to learn how to connect again. It is time for it right now. Communicating, being social, being friends. All those are learned things. So when we lock ourselves up. We forget how to do that. But and this movie's going to remind us of that. To and, connect. And in regards to the, we literally, and I'm so glad you said that and what we hope, and I hope was your experience is the stick with you. Um, it, we had a script that was very, had we shot this, not, not in a normal, but had we shot this more as a, like a typical feature, um, we kind of had something that we knew people would love in that way. It, it was very likely like a Sundancey kind of film, but I kind of wanted to make the movie I always wanted to make when I was 12 watching Iraqi films in my basement. And it's hard to go to an investor and say, and, and I'm so thankful to everybody involved, but, but there's an intentionality to that. We not, you, you're not normally making, we actually made the movie slow on purpose for the first 20 minutes. And the concept was lowering expectations. And in that we don't want to make it boring. So there was, the, uh, there's this film gummo that I both love and hate at the same time. And I can never find out. It feels like it's eight hours long, but if I watch <laughs> it, I can never stop watching it. And I was like, what makes me do this? Cause my favorite type of art are things where I love it, but I feel like I'm the only one. And I, I want to make art films for people that don't like art films. If, if That's always been my hope. And a part of that is I, I don't want to be pompous. And I want to be like, kind of silly because that's not the part of art films that I, that I love. I, I love the messages that we don't get in a lot of modern stories. And I want people to get that too. And so I realized, at least for me, and I don't know if this is what Harmony Corinne was trying to do, but it's because I was always like, what, what the fuck is happening? And, and it's that, like, it was just so odd that I'd always want to know what was happening. And so we have a, a story in where it's much, you know, it's a story. Um, Gummo's not, I don't mean that in a bad way. He's very open about that. But uh, I love Harmony Corinne. This is work. <laughs> Sorry. But, um, you know, we... In that, I realized, like, well, if I pace this stuff slowly at first, but I allow the audience to, like, have some moments of tension, like, uh, there's this moment where these people are getting fed. I don't want to ruin anything. And as, typically, as a filmmaker, you, they have these contracts and they go through this thing. And it's important to show that and to set up where you are. But normally, you would show that for, like, one of five characters. But we have them do it for each of them because we're intentionally moving slow. And we want you to kind of, but while we're doing those things, you know, the movie opens and there's a group of people talking and the dad's younger than his kids. We have no establishing shots and they're talking about legal controllers and things that make no sense. A voice comes on and is like, enter like, uh, like an intercom. And it's like, hi, you know, enter your beds or be in breach of contract. So along the way, you're like, I wanted the audience to just feel like, man, I don't, I don't know. Like, it looks like a movie. But like, do they know what they're doing? And like, what's <laughs> happening? Like, I'm, I'm curious and, and I don't want to ruin other. And then 
after about 20 minutes, we go into like American dream mode. And the thought was it's a silly thought, but like I learned it on accident on another film, but all of a sudden, if you don't lose people, it's like, if they thought, if they think it's great, they love it. If they think it's okay, they think it's great. And it allows you to get away with, with murder. I, I was trying to do like Ed Wood stuff, but on purpose, if that makes sense. Um, because there is a, there's a, there's like a beauty to, to that. Like let the characters, let the story. T- and then all of a sudden when you're trying to do it on purpose, you, you, you're working like harder than you ever work. And it's so funny because you're doing so much, but when people watch it, it's not like you're Kubrick or something. They, they don't, it feels so manipulative, but so funly manipulative. I hope that makes sense. Well, I, so I think that's what, why I hope it sticks. I want people to feel like I love this, but I don't think anyone else will. Well, on a base entertainment level, Garp is trying, one of his big goals is to actually get naked and get out of the house. So on an entertainment level, you're saying, oh, that's, that's pretty fun and cool. And I can, I, I'm glad I'm watching that. But there is sort of a, a nightmarish undercurrent in the fact that with, you were talking about MySpace 10 years ago, but now with the continuing advent of just more tech and more tech, it's so hard just to, you know, just to actually be naked and be vulnerable in the world. You you meet so, you meet a stranger in a cafe, and no matter how well you are and so, how great you are in social media or tech, you can't even string two sentences t- together. I think that's that's something that's very interesting about your film. Can you guys speak to that level? I mean, I, I think that's something made ten years ago. It should it's it it really applies to today even more. So I'd like to hop on it and then quickly pass it to James. Um, I'm glad you picked up on that. What, one of the biggest things in this isolation and that I felt through how we were handling social media and being more worried was literally the way people would actually use words. It's you talking about stringing words together. So the dialogue of the movie was very tough. And I actually tried to call it out. It was something I wanted to be able to point at and kind of say like, see, it's on purpose. Um, there's actually a line where, where Garp just rambles off for like a minute. And then he finally says, see, I'm so bad at communicating. I can't even say how bad I am at communicating. And he's just talking about language. Um, but what I wanted to pass off to James is, you know, how was it for you dealing with dialogue that was intentionally trippy, like, like, tri- like written in a way where, hey, we don't, we don't actually know how to use words because we haven't been connected. It's kind of normal for me. <laughs> Story of my life. No, um, you know, I think, you know, very much it's one of my favorite moments is when Garp actually says that, you know, we don't even know how to communicate anymore because being, you know, playing the father who feels so out of place and, you know, really rather more than just a little strange that he looks the same age as his children uh, certainly has a problem communicating, not just with his children, but with his wife, with everybody. My, my character has no idea how to communicate with people and has turned, you know, inward and towards himself, towards vanity, towards the things that he feels will, you know, comfort him or give him, you know, I think make him feel more secure in his place in the world, except now you have this world where everyone's locked up. So those sorts of, those sorts of ideas become illusions and fallacies very much in the real world in the here and now, as you, as you begin to understand that communication doesn't come from those sorts of things, not with how we look or how we dress, but it really, how we talk to each other, how we treat each other, how we treat ourselves in turn. And I, I think this movie explores this theme perfectly. And it's so weird because in, in writing the film, all of, 
all of the family, not all of the characters, but all of the family members, it was weird because I knew I set out to, to make a film about connecting. Again, I was just in a very dark place um, and I really wanted to reach someone in particular. And I can't go into that because uh, I don't think they'd love it. But um, it it's actually each of the characters is a different version of myself when I was bedridden. It's like the most narcissistic thing I've ever done. But the movie's really about connection. And so it's weird. Each of the characters is like the pieces of myself I needed to get through that. So Garp's the most who I was. James's character is this blind optimist that just needs to say everything's okay. Um, and, and part of me is, is this character, Salisbury, that would have been okay had these things not happened. Um, and, and it's like sometimes I had to escape through just like, all right, had this not happened to me, I'd be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, Augustine is a character that's a part of me that shelves things that, you know, make you feel gross or like a pervert or that you just want to be accepted and open. But then using that dynamic to to try to get out of myself um, and with the real goal of the film to try to get people, you know, it's so idealistic, but to to try to actually get people talking to each other um, and wanting to do that. And we've been trying to do that with, with the marketing of this. Jimmy and I have been, doing it since we made the film, you know, like, but it's, it's, you know, he's going to come over and I just built a theater and Jimmy's coming in like a month and we're going to spend a week watching Star Trek together because wow. we're, we're nerds, but it's about actually getting together and, and spending time. You know what I mean? And what's and, the first Blu-ray you're going to put in your home entertainment system? What, what is the first thing both of you guys are going to see? And are you guys going to argue over what's, what's going to be the first Star Trek thing you're going to watch? No. Oh, the no, first Star Trek thing? No. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah. I'm embarrassed by what the first, uh, the first 4k I'm going to put in is, but it's because I already have it. Um, and, and it's happening tonight. And the answer is Howard, the duck in 4k. I've ne- you know, I've never seen that. Is it it's brilliant? Good? Fun? Kind of. Like, it's it's a movie I love because of when I saw it and just memories that it brings up from an age where I just couldn't believe there was a movie about a duck. Um, I, I love all kinds of cinema, and I, I just love that there was a duck. Like, I, one of my favorite movies of all time is, like, Clifford with Martin Short, and I would watch that if I could get a hold of it on 4K. And the movie's kind of terrible, but there's a movie that people wrote and actually spent, you know, probably six months to a year making where Martin Short is just 12. And that's amazing to me. And I love Howard Duck at the duck in the same way. There's just a movie about a guy who's a, who's a duck. And I just love that somebody cared enough about that. So like, put there, it's something about knowing like you actually made this, like you went to a studio, like you got them to give you money. Like, you made a duck like you you went on set like you took this seriously. I love that <laughs> kind of art. Like, I just love that they had enough passion to make Howard the Duck. So, I- James, I'm going to ask you this question and maybe you might completely disagree with me on this. But why in why are you know, we're talking about a lot of there's a lot of streaming services out there. There's a lot of quote unquote content out there, a lot of indie films out there. But you being an expert in the arena, why in general and you can completely disagree with me on this. Why are people like Greg Araki and Richard Kelly and your collaboration with Corey, why are those partnerships so rare? 
with the glut of filmmakers and quote unquote content we have out there. Is that an accurate assessment or is it just, you know, they're just special people who are steeped into cinema in and of itself? I mean, I would like, I would like, I mean, I think there's special people. I perhaps more people that just based on what we've done are steeped in cinema. I mean, I can certainly speak uh, from experience with Greg Rocky and when we were making Donnie Darko with Richard Kelly, it's, we weren't aware or weren't attempting to make something that was going to be genre breaking or groundbreaking, just had the idea for the story. And it was really just, you know, without with award was the same thing. You know, you had these ideas about possibly what it could do, but while you're making it, you really just think about the work and there's nothing more enjoyable than that because then you let, you know, you're really out of control the way the audience is going to respond to it. So all we can do really is the best that we can, you know, muster up while we're creating it and then let it take its life of its own. And then that's another interesting part of the journey as well, because you're really not in control of that. You know, some things you think people would love, they absolutely despise. And <laughs> not always, but sometimes, sometimes. And there's you know? a problem with and it. And then too. vice versa and vice versa. It's so hard. Like, so it's very hard to get a film made, like period. Um, and and then it's even harder. And I don't mean this in a negative way to anyone who, who takes advantage of it. Um, but there's also, you know, as there is in every industry, there's there's some nepotism. There's you, you've got to get past the the guard like you have to break in. And then when you do break in, there are films that are easier to sell. Um, and, 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 and there's nothing wrong with it. It's like there's businesses that absolutely have to make money and they know if they do things in a certain way, even if it doesn't turn out great, they can expect certain kinds of returns. They know the audience that will show up for those. And when you make something that's just kind of out of the box or different, you don't even know who that audience is. And there's so many great, it's like those movies have to be even better to do well because they have to get word of mouth. They have to be, or be marketed in a way where it finds its audience. Like there are so many movies that are actually spectacular. Like everybody can name horrible movies that did well, that they went to go see, but the opposite of that isn't so true. Um, which is there's tons of amazing films that just didn't get seen. And that can happen to us. They just don't get seen by enough people, um, even though they're really good to, to move on. And so th- to me, those guys are idols like Greg Rocky, especially I love Richard Kelly, but, but it, for a guy like that to come out of somewhere like USC and do those things with his first film and the risks you guys, it's, you don't get a lot of them. Well, you, you all, you all have somebody that could have gone the path, but you all have the same thing in common in that sense. You're not going out to make a movie for somebody else. You're making a movie that you feel strongly about that reflects how you feel and how you see things. And that's the same thing with them as well. And that's what you have in particular in particularly in common with each other. And that's important when you're creating now, whether it's film, music, books, art, whatever it is, however you express yourself, it's about learning to express yourself honestly, truly. And that's really, I mean, if you can do that, then I think that, you know, which is, you know, I think that we've done that, which is why we continue to try to make movies and attempt, you know, our, you know, leap at storytelling from time to time. Yeah. You know, after watching this movie, I was thinking, I really miss watching Alexis work 
can you guys if you guys ever get together make another movie can you just bring her along and just have her part of the ensemble because she's just wonderful in this can you i i guess kind of speak to that i i miss her work and i love alexis um she's great she's a great actress she's a great person i was so fortunate in that like i think everybody i asked to do this movie said yes uh and i was very happy she said yes um she is raising a family right now and super pumped but uh has a little toddler and you know, is, is that was just something she always really wanted. And, and I, I imagine she, I mean, she loves acting and, and I imagine it's there. I just know right now it is all about her daughter. Yeah. We, we got really lucky so with, happy. with her doing the movie. It's, we got really lucky with her doing the movie because we were huge fans of hers before we ever, any of us ever met her. Yeah. Yeah. Final qu- couple questions. Cause I, cause I know James, you have to get out of here by two forty five, but yeah. I, I gotta get I gotta get this in. Martin Landau being a mentor, he does a great monologue in this movie. What what's the main? I, I guess it's hard. I'm, I apologize for you to even summarize this in some kind of soundbite, but just having him as a mentor. I've interviewed him a couple of times, and I just said, "Wow, I would have, I would." He could speak for. He's one of those rare people you could listen to listen to for hours and never want to leave the room. I wish I could tell you me meeting because you have to go. My favorite Hollywood story is me meeting Marty. Um, we actually have an extra. Uh, if you buy the movie at Apple and get the extras, or we will have a Blu-ray. I think it's about a month off, but uh, it's my fault for not getting content over. Sorry, everyone. So cool on uh, physical media. Um, we do talk about meeting Marty, um, but he, as you said, just he just talked would talk, and and after he would talk, everybody would just kind of stop because you can't be that interesting. Um, and he's so intelligent <laughs> and he meant like in my life, he meant a lot. Like he took me and I, if you've ever seen almost famous, um, I had that experience, but with movies, um, I'm from Georgia. I'm not, but I ended up, uh, and, and he kind of took me under his wing. And when I was, uh, when I was 18, he came to like Georgia, like not even like the city and like came to my high school graduation. He, he's also one of the nicest and he gave me the confidence to make my first film. People were telling me not to do it, especially the content and what it was. And he'd always just have a great way. He's like, Corey, there's too many people in Hollywood waiting in line um, for you to get anywhere doing that. And he's like, this is a great script. Like, you know it, go do it. I don't care if you have the money. And um, there was a period, sadly, right right before, where he, before he passed, where I, I left Los Angeles Um and I just had some personal stuff going on in the most loving way ever. He like yelled at me, um, but in a very, you know, Hey, like, don't, don't do this. Like don't walk away. And uh, I'm really sad that he's not here to see it, but I know he's really, I know he'd be really proud of it. Um, but more particularly of us, cause he's that kind of, it's so hard to explain, but he, he's such a good, like on, he, he just knows it's like, he remembers wanting those things and be and and caring about those things and if he sees that in you at all he's that kind of person that does everything he can to like help you get there and it really ends up up learning like he puts out what he wants and hopes to get it back in return i I always felt with him like he really and, and he's not a guy that somebody could like roll over like i hate using relationships for stuff and so i remember like with this i i submitted it to his manager um and, and greatest kind of manager like i remember when we talked to him he's like so you're making a movie hey eh? like one of those guys but um you know he he called and was like why didn't you call me and, you know and i kind of tell him why it, it, it 
his, his response to it was just like, well, that's stupid. Like you got to use, you know, he's like, you got to use what you have. And, and of course I'm in. And, you know, it, it was amazing actually working with him and scary. You're looking, you're like, okay, like you need to give him a direction. And you're like, all right, well, you've worked with Alfred Hitchcock and Woody Allen and Tim Burton. And okay. Um, could you, you know, it, it's, I don't know how it felt for you, James. I remember you came by. Um, that was another great thing to see. Like, he kind of took well, I'd, I'd yeah. actually met Marty before because he almost done a movie with an ex-girlfriend of mine many, many years ago uh, called the, the, the Gold Cup. And I had met him at that, at that read-through and at a meeting afterwards. And so, um, yeah, I, came, I definitely came by the, the, when we were shooting it. I wouldn't have missed that for the world. And Marty was, kid call me Marty, Mr. Landau, kid call me Marty, was very generous and very giving. Um, you know, I'd asked him about his time with James Dean, you know, because he was James, one of James Dean's good friends. So I asked, you know, he, he was very generous about his time with Alfred Hitchcock and North by Northwest. And, you know, uh, his experience throughout the years from Alfred Hitchcock to Space 1999 to Harry Dean Stanton to Johnny Depp and back again. I'm mean, fascinating, incredible human being. I mean, we could go on and on. About and he was Marty. so, and if he, if he knew you love something, like he would, I was a very big fan of someone in, in a way that they really impacted my life, you know, and he's like, calls me and he's like, Hey, you want to go to land? Like you always say yes. And, you know, I show up to lunch and like, there's literally like the biggest idol of my life. And he's like, I thought you'd want to come. And he just kind of does that smile. And he was also so, there was, I cannot say who this is. There was a, an actor that I threw a girl I cared a lot about, um, heard some bad things about. And we we're at lunch when we were with him. And I, uh, I I promised the girl that if I ever met him, I would punch him. And uh, we're at like, the <laughs> floor and uh, he gets up and the guy goes to the bathroom and I turn to him and I'm thinking about it because I feel like I'm really supposed to do this. Like I, like, I love this girl. It was a horrible story. And I tell Marty, because I want to get out of it. And I'm like, hey, Marty, like, I, I, and I tell him what happened and I wish I could tell you guys, that. but uh, he's like, I'm waiting for him to be like, don't, don't do that, you know? And uh, he's like, oh, do it. And I'm like, like, what? And he's like, he's like, just do it. That'd be great. And, and I'm like, are you, and then I am, of course I don't do it, but I'm the wimp. And he's like goading me through all of lunch because he just knows. And that's kind of that other, he's just so perfect. And, and I, <laughs> I really miss him. Um, but he, he was, he was like a very fatherly figure to me. And it's funny because James is like a brother, but he's one of those guys that like tells you stuff and you actually listen. So he's been through it and he always has some better answer. And I always realize I'm doing the wrong thing. And uh, Marty was like that. <laughs> Final question before you leave. And first, James, you can answer. And as soon as you answer, you can get out of there because I know you got to shoot. But just very quick question. Can uh, And I apologize for this question because it's a, it's a hard question to answer. Can just for, off the top of your head, can, can each of you name one of your all time favorite films? And what is it about this specific movie that still resonates with you? Uh, for me, it's, it's easy. It's Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner. I love the new one, but I love the original one. The whole idea of more human than human, that is our motto. What is more human than human? You know, what makes somebody real? Uh, the idea of something that's not supposed to be a person or recognize as a living thing, yearning for the same exact things that we yearn for, loving the same way we love, feeling lost the same way we feel lost. And, and actually much more intensely because through the eyes of a child, because they only have a four-year lifespan. 
from which to take in these experiences while the rest of us, you know, we can hate, we can want to kill, but, you know, we grow and we mature because we have time through built up experience over the years to mature. So I always found that, you know, and, and, and not just because of the theme we're talking about connection, because it is about connecting with other people and the world around you. And, you know, uh, I was just always very taken by this futuristic world where nature's dead and everything's dead and everyone's left the world. And yet you have these things coming back to earth for what? And for life, the same thing the rest of us want. Who are we? What makes us up? What's after this? Where do we go? That's if that doesn't make us, you know, people or living things or sentient, sent, sentient beings. I don't know what does. What else does? Great answer. Um, and finally, Corey, yours. Yeah, I mean, it's, so I don't. To be honest, I don't actually have a favorite film, um, but I, I would say I can give you my recent favorite. Like, there's out of movies that stick with you. It's like the la- They never go away. So, like, nowhere, mysterious skin. That's another great one. Um, yeah, but but for me, the last one that did that to me was Take This Waltz. And and um, Sarah Paul, like, there's something, I mean, dude, I want to cry thinking about it. It, it. It's personal for me for certain, but it's this subtle film and it, it doesn't seem, it's not in your face. It doesn't, but it it so beautifully shows like truth with inside of a story. And what I mean by that is it's like, you know, there's this person struggling between like a really good guy. That's really good for her and a lover that she really loves and the not being a bad person for this and which one is actually good or bad and, and not answering that um, and, and kind of answering it at the end. But I don't know if that's my, but I just think, uh, honestly, I think she might be the greatest filmmaker ever if she had made 10 movies that were anywhere near as good as her first two. If Sarah Polly happens to hear this, please make a fucking movie again. Yeah. Uh, seriously, I, I know we're here to yeah. plug us, but Jesus. Um, well, also the people from her. I actually, I actually have that poster and take this waltz in my, but yeah. Um, I wish you would, you got to work with her and go. Yeah, she. I didn't. I mean, I didn't have any scenes with her, but she was. Yeah, she was very gracious. Um, but yeah, that would be my last. Yeah, thank you guys so much for your time and go go to work. <laughs> okay. oh, yeah, thank you. Yes, have a great day. Thank you for having Amazon. us, Greg. Um, thank you. Without thank word you. everywhere. Sorry. Okay. 